greatly appreciate it. You know, the fellowship is part important. Uh, you know, that koinonia. You guys are doing a good job of that. And feel free to uh, bring some food and, uh, you know, and eat while, while we're in this class. We just ask that um, you try to avoid spilling on the chairs because then we have to clean the chairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, guys, I, I've been encouraged just by the classes that we've had and just the great job that our speakers have done. If we can just give them a round of applause. Yeah, we've, we've just had a lot of great classes today, from mental health to resilience uh, to single parenting. Uh, it's just been a, a great job. And the people that have spoken have all been volunteers who have just given from an abundance of their heart to make time and, and to give to all of us. Um, but we're going to go ahead and get started with our last class, Lordship on Your Journey. We have two amazing uh, singles speaking today, our brother Tosin, who... Who just got here over the last year and who has just hit the ground running? Uh, this man is uh, giving to the ministry while getting his PhD and, and just just going for it. And I think he's just a great example of someone who has made Jesus Lord in the midst of a lot of uh, busyness. But uh, he just makes sure that you know at the end of the day he's using all of his gifts for the Lord. So really encouraged by him and uh, excited to hear him speak. And Lish will be joining him, and she is an amazing, amazing woman of God. Yep. And really has just come and given her heart, given her life to the Lord, but also to his saints. Amen. Uh, which all of us are a part of, and we are all very, very fortunate uh, to be able to hear from both of them today and really hear their convictions about Jesus being Lord on our journeys and what that looks like and how really to implement that in 21st century America or Costa Rica or Bahamas <laughs> or anything like that, but really what that looks like. Amen. Amen. With that, we're just going to go ahead and get started, say a word of prayer, and then Tosin and Lish will come right up. Father, just want to thank you again for just an amazing uh, time so far, Lord. Um, it's just been uh, kind of, uh, you know, amazing to think that it's been three years since the last time this took place. But, Lord, how, you know, you've brought us all together, and this has just been uh, just as amazing as the first time. Uh, Father, we just pray uh, just for this uh, next class, Lord. Uh, talk about topics of topics, Lord. Um, keeping you at the center of our lives. Uh honestly just reflecting on the lordship that you have um, regardless of our life status lord but you know just how much more so we can glorify you as singles uh, father pray that you be with Tosin and lish speak through them in a mighty way and help us all to learn uh, from them lord and the wisdom that they have to share from you it's in your son jesus name we pray amen Hey, if you've got a seat next to you, there's some folks that are standing. If you could just either raise your hand or squish in so uh, the folks that are standing can uh, be able to sit down and enjoy this, that would be great, too. Thanks. Amen. All right. Is this on? How are you guys doing tonight? So let's try again, right? I know it's 4.30 and it's Sunday. It's a holiday weekend. Maybe we had a big lunch. Maybe we're exhausted or tired from the fellowship. How are you guys doing tonight? 
That's awesome. You know, as a speaker, it's always encouraging to have a lively, enthusiastic group of people in front of you. Um, Lish and I are both very excited to have an opportunity to share with you guys today um, kind of things that are on our heart as we kind of figure out how to take our walk with God to the next level, take our groups and our singles ministries to the next level, and ultimately take our churches to the next level as well. Um, so maybe we'll start with a little bit of an introduction. Um, so my name is Chukwemeka Tosin Wade. Um, I moved to Atlanta from Philadelphia. That's right, that's right. Um, I've been here for about 18 months. I moved here for grad school. Uh, I am in the in-town ministry with, oops, sorry. Uh, I'm in the in-town ministry within North River. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a ministry that meets in town. Um, and within that, I'm within uh, the singles ministry in town. Uh, so I've been here for 18 months and I've been at North River for the duration of that time. Um, Lish is going to share too. Oh, my name's Lish. Uh, I am, my name's Alicia, but everybody calls me Lish. Uh, and I am from the church in New York City. I see a lot of y'all in the house tonight. New York is rolling deep. Uh, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and I spent my college years in Harlem, in the church in Harlem. Um, spent some time in the church in Manhattan right before I moved here to the amazing Bridge Point Church that meets about five minutes away from here. Awesome place, really put me back together spiritually, which you guys are here some more about later. Uh, I have the privilege of leading the crew ministry, Christ Renews Everything Within, which is what we call our singles, with this amazing man of God right here, Terrence Tucker, and uh, who came from North River, so we thank you. And uh, I just, I'm just so overjoyed to be before you here today. Amen. Uh, so Lisha and I have been working on this for the past couple of weeks, again, just trying to give some thought to uh, what we want to share with you guys today, what God has on our heart, uh, what we want to impart with this group of over 200 people as we close 2018 and as we go into the year 2019. Um, and one thing Lisha and I kind of reached a consensus on is you never can go wrong with the basics, right? When you think about people who are excellent within their craft, people who master their field, these tend to be people that are really good at very simple things, right? Whether you're talking about Michelangelo or Michael Jackson or uh, Michael Jordan, these are people who master basic things. So as we think through uh, how to take our walk to the next level, how to go deeper and how to have a much more enriching 2019, we're going to focus on the basics. And Lish and I both believe, although this is basic, the good kind of basic, although this is basic, <laughs> um, this has the potential to greatly enrich our walk, and we believe that it can transform your year if you let it, right? Um, so with that, we're just going to uh, pray a short prayer to kind of kick off our lesson, and then we're going to jump right into it. Uh, so God, thank you so much for <laughs> bringing over 200 people from all over this side of the world and probably some people from other parts of the world as well uh, to gather here. There's so many things that we could be doing on a holiday weekend, but this is a group that feels led and compelled to be here with your people, worshiping, digging into God's word, and spending time with other brothers and sisters in Christ and other people that are just earnestly seeking God and trying to figure life out. So we pray that you can remove all distractions, God, whether that be like feeling exhausted or sleepy or maybe feeling hungry or maybe there's a date coming up and you don't have a plan or you don't have a double. That almost always happens, but amen, that's fine. <laughs> but we're going to concentrate and be diligent and focus and be engaged, and this is going to be a wonderful 58 minutes. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Uh, so 
With that in mind, we're going to be speaking about lordship on our journey, uh, but it's only appropriate to give some thought to who is the Christ. And we see this question posed within the gospel, and we see it uh, answered not only in the gospel, but in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament as well. Uh, I was just looking in John, just one portion of scripture. There's so many different references and titles and names that kind of Jesus is given as people reference him or as he speaks about himself, right? So even in John chapter 1, the text opens up with Jesus being described as the Lamb of God, right? A couple of chapters later in John chapter 4, what does the Bible say about Jesus? He's the living water, right? He's the Messiah, a couple of chapters later, this is John chapter 6. What does the Bible say about Jesus? He's the bread of life. I like bread. I like life. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus and I are off to a great start. This is good. Um, a couple of chapters later, this is John chapter 8. Jesus is being described as the light of the world. I like light. I need to live in the light. Um, John chapter 14, a couple of uh, text, excuse me, chapters later, he's the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. Um, so we see all of these different titles and, and names and references to Jesus. Um, and for the most part, many of these are iconic, right? So throughout human history, I don't know how many people have described themselves as the Lamb of God, the living water, the bread of life, maybe different kind of appeals or different kind of descriptions in other world religions. But many of these titles are iconic for Jesus. But there's one title that he has that's less iconic. And for that reason, it's a little bit more peculiar. It's this idea of Jesus as Lord. The reason why it's peculiar is you think about history at this point and even prior to this, this is a term that's relatively ubiquitous, right? So it's used before the time of Jesus. It's used during the era of Jesus. It's also used 2,000 years later. Um, and we've kind of uh, made it specific to Christianity, but when it was initially uh, introduced, it wasn't specific to Christianity, and it wasn't even uh, specific to religion, but it was more of a general appeal to things like authority and respect. It's kind of like calling somebody sir. It's not religious in any way, shape, or form. It's just a, a form of respect and kind of showing that respect. So with that, we kind of see that uh, the lordship of Christ is really about his authority and control and power over those that he's appointed to lead. And I kind of looked at this, and I kind of struggled with the slide a little bit, like authority, control, power. Like, I live in America. We don't like any of these things. <laughs> they don't really elicit positive feelings or emotions. Like, this slide just looks really heavy. Um, but the reality is, when we talk about lordship, like authority, control, and power, that's, that's what we need to talk about. Like, these are fundamental and central to the idea. So much, in fact, when we uh, consider the birth of Jesus, right, so this is a couple of it's a couple of days after the, uh, the Christmas that we uh, celebrate anyway. But the Christmas narrative in the scriptures, Matthew chapter 2, you look at the Bible, and King Herod, when he found out that Jesus was being born, he'd issued a decree to kill all of the male children that were being born in Bethlehem. And the reason why is because he found out that Jesus was going to be king. He was going to lord over the Jews. Well, there can't be two lords. We can't both be king. We can't both be master. We can't have two different presidents. This isn't going to work. And so King Herod heard that, and he issued a decree to kill all of the male children. And we see Mary and Joseph flee as refugees to Egypt to uh, avoid that persecution. So these ideas of authority and control and power, they're really central to this notion of lordship. 
Um, I remember hearing a sermon earlier on in uh, my walk with God, and there was a brother sharing during community, and he was basically saying that when we talk about Jesus being Lord at baptism, what we're really saying is Jesus is my Lord. We're not appealing to a general observation about who Jesus is, because Jesus is Lord whether you get baptized or not. Yep. Whether you get into the water or not, the Bible says every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess, it's going to happen today or tomorrow or on Judgment Day, but we're all going to proclaim Jesus as Lord. The difference is, do we recognize his authority in our lives? Do you submit to that power in your life? Do you submit or acknowledge that control in your life? Right? So that's kind of the notion or the idea that we're referencing uh, throughout the text and uh, as we go or proceed through this lesson. So our text for today is Luke chapter 9. We're only looking at five verses today. There aren't a lot. Again, we're keeping it very simple basic, the good kind of basic. But I'll give you an opportunity to uh, turn there, Luke chapter 9. We're going to be reading from the ESV. Um, In Luke chapter 9, the Bible reads, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. First point for our lesson is an inconvenient journey. Lish and I, (laughs) so heavy, man. Um, Lish and I were giving some thought to this uh, as we focused on uh, this particular point, and one of the things we were kind of going back and forth and sharing was that Uh, The idea of heaven is supposed to be perfect, right? So it was designed to perfection. It was engineered to perfection. It It was built and created by the author of perfection. It's not lacking in any way, shape, or form. Heaven is perfect in every way. And Jesus was dwelling at the right hand of God in heaven for eons, since the beginning of time. A perfect life, a perfect world. And then one day he says, I'm going to go to that place, the earth. And brothers and sisters, this world is not perfect, and it was never designed to be perfect. We have natural disasters, right? There's crippling poverty, very persistent. Most of the world lives in crippling poverty. There's disease, war, and violent conflict, crime, political turmoil, sexism, racism, ageism, classism. You know, we don't really paint a very compelling picture for Jesus to come into our world. Like, come rescue us. Come to our world. It's not that great, but come dwell dwell among us in the form of man. Even thinking about Jesus' entry into the world, being born to poor refugees, uh, fleeing uh, his home so that he could be safe, Uh, living a very modest life, serving poor and dejected, invalids, people that people, excuse me, people that society didn't value in any way, shape, or form. I can't help but feel like in leaving heaven, there was some level of inconvenience for Jesus. Can we agree on that? Leaving heaven, there had to be some level of inconvenience for Jesus. And so I wrestled with that because I was thinking to myself, what on earth would would compel Jesus to come into this world uh, that isn't fitting for a king? Why would he 
do something so irrational. And the only thing I could come to conclude about that is Jesus saw value in things even when they were inconvenient. Jesus was willing to see value in things that weren't necessarily convenient for him. When I think about my own walk, and I think what many of us wrestle with as singles in our ministries, I think sometimes we can be unwilling or unable to see value in things that are inconvenient. See value in things that can just be downright uncomfortable. We can wrestle with those things. You know, I live in America. I was born in America, actually. And uh, in America, America is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of everything comfortable. You know, I know your life isn't perfect. Our lives aren't perfect. This country isn't perfect. But it's not a bad gig. You know, this is, this is okay. And I think in America, we kind of manufacture our lives to be as comfortable as possible. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there are times when that can be at odds with the gospel. And so I have a question for us, brothers and sisters. How do we know we're practicing authentic and true Christianity if we're never inconvenienced? How can I be sure that I'm practicing the Christianity that's described and talked about at length in the scriptures if I'm never inconvenienced, if I'm never uncomfortable? You know, we look at a text, this is the tail end of Luke chapter 9, but earlier in Luke uh, 9.23, Jesus says, if, if, if anyone would come after me, they have to do what? Deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And so if I make my walk about um, minimizing the inconvenience or reducing the level of discomfort and kind of... Uh, uh, Making that as low as possible, how do I know I'm practicing an authentic and true and pure form of Christianity? Brothers and sisters, Christianity is not about being comfortable. It's not even about a lifestyle that suits our preferences. But it is about being like Jesus. And Jesus was willing to see value in things even when they were uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think we can wrestle with this in singles ministries, and I think he's giving thought to how that can potentially manifest, and I think um, things that we can struggle with. Our ministries, in my experience, can be very cliquish. We can be extremely worldly in the motivations for how we build relationships, who we're going to spend time with, who we're going to be friends with, who we're going to do things with on the weekends, we can just be straight up worldly. It's true. Like, I like this group of people, but I don't know if I really like that group of people, and then they're going to be in the room together, and it's just going to be weird and awkward, because, like, I know this group, but I know this group, but they're not friends with each other. So I just want to kind of maintain that divide, whether it's be age or race or sex or whatever, there's a partition there, and sometimes we can have difficulty breaking that down because we like to be comfortable. You know, maybe you're the oldest person in your family group or the oldest person in your Bible talk. You're old enough to be the elder. You're like, yo, I got to get up out of here. Like, these people could be my kids. Like, dag, like, the young bulls. 
but uh, maybe you're the youngest person in the group. You're like, Dad, I got to kick it with the old heads. Man, again, we, we like to be comfortable, right? Maybe you're in a situation where all of your friends have moved away. Or all of them got married, and you're just not feeling the ministry like you used to. It's just not the same, right? I can be open with you guys, right? Uh, thinking about kind of how I've seen this manifest in my own walk, you know, I live in Atlanta now. So in Atlanta, we have this peculiar thing where just water starts gushing out of the sky, and it doesn't yeah. stop, like for days at a time. <laughs> um, we call it rain, and, uh, you know, sometimes it rains a lot. Um, and this, one, one particular day, so we have a D group on Saturday mornings. So I woke up, and it was 7.30 a.m., and what, this just stuff coming out of the sky. And I'm like, man, this ain't it, chief. I ain't doing it. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not, like, I, I, I know that I love God. I know that I love God. But I also know I hate wet socks. And I don't know if you've ever had wet socks, so like the shoes that I wear, it's like thin fabric, so like it's raining and like the water seeps in through my shoes and it's like, you want me to start my day with wet socks? No, this ain't it, chief. I just, I like to be comfortable though. I don't like to be inconvenienced, but brothers and sisters, lordship means I'm willing to go places and do things and spend time with people even when it's inconvenient. And so my question to you guys is, are you willing to find value in things that are inconvenient? Lish is going to talk more about examples from her life that help her to understand this passage. So um, the truth is that you really can't be a disciple if you're not willing to be inconvenienced. You certainly can't make Jesus Lord of your life in any real way if you're not willing to be inconvenienced. Um, one of the things that if you know me, you know I, I love sneakers, right? I am a sneaker head. I won't tell you how many pairs I have because I don't want to be a disciple. I love sneakers. <laughs> and uh, I do give sneakers away and all that stuff, but I love them, right? And a couple of years back, sneakers were really not as big a deal as they are now, right? So sneakers, let me just give you guys a little bit of history. And let me just tell you about these pictures. These people are not homeless. Okay, they're not homeless. They are also not waiting in line for something free. In fact, they are in line for something that is very expensive, right? These are fellow sneakerheads. Now, I have never done this because I don't have the patience for it, but people do this all the time. And years ago, maybe about five years ago in like the sneaker game, people would do this for themselves, right? So you would see some lines, but they wouldn't be too crazy because it was just other fellow sneaker enthusiasts waiting to have the hottest sneakers so that they could have like bragging rights. But over the last two or three years, the reseller game in sneakers has gone through the roof. Stay with me. I know some of y'all don't care. Stay with me. Stay with me. This is how I feel about football analogies that people do. I'm like, I don't know. I'm lost. I'm trying to get there, right? I'm just, you know, I'm just letting y'all know. So, so when, when people stand on lines nowadays for sneakers, it's because they can resell them, right? So if you have a sneaker that comes out, let's say uh, a Kanye West Yeezy, right? When those sneakers first came out, they were about $220. The same day, they were reselling for $2,000. Meaning you stand online, you get them, and then you go sell them for $2,000, right? So now you started to see people sleeping outside overnight. There was one picture, I couldn't get it, of someone with an air mattress on the street in New York City sleeping out for sneakers, right? 
But the reason that people started doing that was why? They saw the value. I say all that to say people are willing to be inconvenienced when they see the value. When we see the value of something, we don't care what we got to do. We're going. Even right now at the High Museum uh, in Atlanta, there's an Affinity Mirrors exhibit going on right now. The exhibit has been sold out since the day the tickets came out. They give 100 tickets out per day. People line up at midnight. You cannot buy a ticket until 9 a.m. The tickets are gone by 4 a.m. every morning for an art exhibit. People have, these are people who got to go to work. Like, it's not like, you know, the tickets ain't free. Again, these are things that people have to pay for. Why are they doing it? It's because they see the value. And, you know, we have to ask ourselves, when there are things going on in the kingdom, whether it's an event, whether it's a sister that, that needs your help, that needs to talk to you, whether it's a brother that needs some, some extra encouragement, whether some chairs need to be folded up or some tables need to be wiped down, we got to ask ourselves, why is it so difficult sometimes for us to be inconvenienced to get this done? And the truth is that we just don't see the value sometimes. You know, we, we live in a society that says, I want everything right now. I want to do it right now. You know, I don't want to wait. I, don't want, I, don't, I want everything given to me the second that I pay for it. You know, Amazon Prime makes a killing. Why? Because people can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing special about Amazon Prime except for the fact that we are impatient. So I will give you 100 I think now it's $120 a, month, I mean, a year. $120 a year because I don't want to wait. They're making a killing. You know, and the truth is, we've got to really ask ourselves if Jesus going to the cross is enough for us to be inconvenienced a little bit. You know, none of us are being inconvenienced the way that Jesus was. Let's just keep it real, right? We're not going to the cross for anybody. We're not being beaten, bruised, sped upon. We're not even really being disrespected for the most part. You know, we kind of have it pretty easy. But we don't want to do simple things at times just because it'll inconvenience us. Jesus didn't run away from the difficulties. You know, Tosin talked about how Jesus came down to earth and earth wasn't a great place to come. When I think about Jesus coming down to earth, I think about other things, like the fact that he had to sweat. Because I don't think he was sweating in heaven, right? The fact that he had to probably get sick, get the sniffles, get, get a cold, get some, you know, anything. He didn't have to worry about that stuff in heaven. You know, he didn't have to worry about a place to lay his head in heaven. He had it all there. You know, Jesus came down uh, at a time that, you know, if you think about the time in history in which Jesus came down, he could have picked a, a nicer time. He could have picked a time with a lot more technology. He could have, I think about things like dentistry. Like, you know, people sped on him and there was no dentist or toothbrushes or toothpaste. I mean, this is real stuff. He came down at a time that was very inconvenient because why? He saw the value for us. He came down to, literally came down to earth to live and die for us because he saw that value, you know. And I just really want to encourage us to remember that while we're here on earth, living our lives for God, doing our best, you know, trying to please God with our lives, we can't get too comfortable. You know, a lot of times we will do a little something and we give ourselves a huge pat on the back. It's like, oh, I gave one person a hug in church today. I'm good. I'm all right. I don't got to talk to nobody for the rest of the month, you know. And we just give ourselves this huge pass on the back when Jesus really gave it all. He surrendered it all. One of my favorite scriptures about Jesus, I have many, but in Hebrews 5, um, the Bible says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. 
and he was heard because of his reverent submission. And I just love that scripture because even Jesus made God Lord. There's another scripture that says that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. You know, Jesus knew that God had to be his top priority of everything if he was going to make it here on earth. And the truth is, we got to know it's the same way. Yes. I love listening to Lish speak. I need pe- I don't know about you. I need people in my life who get me fired up about stuff that I don't want to do. So thank you, sister, for getting <laughs> me fired up, enthusiastic. Same, Man, same, same. like I need that in my life. So point two, we're moving right along. Lord of all or not Lord at all. Um, just uh, two verses later, this is uh, verse 59. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So if you're reading this for the first time, you may be thinking this is a very peculiar and unflattering interaction. This guy just wants to be a good son. Why are you treating him like this? This is rude. It's uncouth. It's inappropriate. Like, what is the deal? Um, So if you look at some commentaries on this, like scholars are kind of divided as to what specifically is going on. We don't have all the details, but there are kind of three primary schools of thought. So one is that this man's father was already dead and he just needed to put him in the ground. The guy's dead. I need to bury him. Um, The second possibility is that my father's not dead, but he's very, 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 very close. And he's going to kick the bucket soon. So I need to put him in the ground. And then the third possibility is my father is completely healthy. And I'm just living at home, waiting for my father to die. So we don't know specifically what the situation is. I think most scholars believe it's the second or the third. Because if the man's father just died, he probably wouldn't have been in the crowd that day interacting with Jesus. We don't know specifically. But Jesus kind of gives him this uh, challenge. We see a situation where there's a man kind of torn between these obligations that I have to my family and this obligation or call that I feel like Jesus is kind of calling me to. Like I'm conflicted. I'm split. What do I do? Um, and what we're focusing on here, what Lish and I both want to highlight here is that lordship means shifting our priorities and putting God as the center of our lives. Um, you know, some of us are disciples, but our priorities look exactly like people in the world. And it's not supposed to be that way. Think about my own life, um, I guess I'm coming up on seven years as a Christian. I got baptized in 2012. Uh, That was my sophomore year of college. So I studied the Bible my entire sophomore year from September to April. And there was a young man I was studying the Bible with, Courtney Miller. Now, Courtney was a great guy. I don't know if you know him, but yeah, you know Courtney. Yeah, yeah, so Courtney's a great guy. Um, And uh, he's a graphic designer. He's an artist. Um, I love artists. They just think so differently. Man, they're provocative. They stir stir the bucket. It's great. Uh, So Courtney kind of had this idea. He was studying the Bible with me. And at this point, I'm not a Christian. And uh, what I want to encourage you guys with is for people who aren't Christians, they're searching for purpose, but the world tells them what that purpose is. And so for me, I'm not a Christian at this point. I get to school, and I'm kind of doing really well on my schoolwork and my academics. And they're like, hey, you're really good at this. Make this your God. Like, it's the most important thing. And I'm like, okay. That makes perfect sense. Like, I don't have a purpose. I'm just going to make my life about school and work. And now I have a sense of purpose. And I was looking for that. And so in 2012, I kind of made 
Um, so this is a remake of the graphic. So he had this idea. He's like, I'm an artist. I want to use my gifts and my talents for God. So I'm going to make this graphic of the life of the guy that I'm studying the Bible with. It's very provocative. I don't know if it works for everybody. But he walks up to me one day, and he's like, Tosin, this is your life. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, this is your life. I'm like, no, it's a sheet of paper. He's like, no, this is your life. <laughs> this is your life. And I kind of thought about it, and we had a very kind of thought-provoking discussion. And I kind of realized, oh, he's really, like, if I look at this picture, like, God is in there. He's in the mix, but he's kind of getting drowned out by some of these other things. Like, God is in there. Certainly not the center. Certainly not the most important thing. You know, this is even kind of a generous description. I kind of talked to a designer. I told him, hey, make this thing. Like, I don't know if you can help me with it, but I got this thing that I'm doing on Sunday. And, like, make it and make it look good. So he tried to remake it. But in the original, he kind of had God poking out the top of the cup. Like, you're trying to stuff him in on the top. Like, your life is actually full of so many other things that you can't fit God in. There's money and there's relationships and there's your self-identity and respect and all these other things that you kind of fill your life with. And for me, I don't know for you, but for me, it's like, hey, there's school, there's career, and then there's everything else. Um, and if I'm looking at this picture, this man right here is not a Christian. He doesn't have Jesus as Lord. He's not surrendered to God. God is not his top priority. I have difficulty kind of illustrating this because I'm a huge nerd and I understand most people aren't. But I'll get fired up about my school. like, mm, I got an A. Mm, 4.0. Mm. <laughs> I was like, you have to hype it up, you know? I'm competitive, and I like to excel in what I'm doing. Um, this is a picture of me. I'm a little bit lighter, but that's, that's definitely me. You know, I was cooler when I was younger, so I might have thrown the dab in there or something like that. But I was so into what I was doing. I'm so invested in what I'm doing. And I realized at that time, it's like, man, there are people getting baptized at this church every other week, and I don't care anything about it. Like, it doesn't hit me in the same way. Like, 4.0, mm, you got baptized? That's cool. Congrats. And, like, if you're new to the church, it's like, man, like, why are you so excited? Like, they're crying and sharing, and everybody's so emotional, or you don't really get it. But that 4.0, mm, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Paycheck, mm, <laughs> mutual interest. Mm. <laughs> like, we do that. It's like, like our, our priorities don't really reflect like, godliness and holiness, man, it's, like, really hot in here. That's all right. Um, I was so excited kind of about my school. Like, I would have disappointments as well, so I got a B plus. I'm so discouraged. But, like, I was just kind of, like, on this yo-yo, the highs and lows, the things that don't really have a ton to do with God. But they were my idols. Like, the Bible has a word for that. It's called idolatry. And I was wrestling with it because I wasn't a Christian. So I kind of wrestled with this graphic on the, this, this other side is kind of is for you, I guess, to the right. Because, um, like, if I'm honest with you, like, my life doesn't look like that every day. Like, I want to say God is the center every single day and nothing ever happens and he's always the center of my world. No, no, it's not true. But I try. I do. And it's, it's painful and it's difficult. But I try so hard to kind of have God as the center of my life. Can we be honest? Um, for some of us, I think we would be more enthusiastic about a Democrat or Republican in the White House than having visitors at our Bible talk. Like that, like we're just so, inv and I, there's nothing wrong with following politics. It's great. You should vote. Amen. That's awesome. But we're so invested in that. Our Bible talks haven't had visitors for months. 
But, like, that's not where our priority is. Some of us, we would be more excited about our favorite artist dropping a new album than we would be about our friend or coworker studying the Bible. For some of us, like, we would be more excited about moving to an apartment downtown that's the size of a shoebox <laughs> than being in a house that's large enough for us to exercise hospitality, have brothers over, have sisters over, have guests over when there's a huge retreat and stuff like that, but we want to live in that shoebox, right? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but for some of us, our priorities can be really worldly, right? Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know what this is for you. I think for most people, they don't actually care that much about school. That's fine. But if you had a graphic for your life, or you talk to a graphic designer, it's like, hey, make this thing and make it look pretty, make it caramel, because it's like the wintertime and stuff. What would it look like for you? What would be in your cup? You know, what would be the things crowding out and drowning out God? This is going to share more about making Jesus Lord of all. So, brethren, if you ever want to know what a woman's mind is like, imagine a browser with 3,241 tabs open all the time. <laughs> Sisters, can you relate? Okay. You know, as women... We really don't have a hard time making things priority, right? Talk about this whole concept of Jesus being Lord of all or not Lord at all. We know how to make something Lord of all, right? Whether it's work, you know, some of us are so dedicated to our jobs. I'm not that way. I love my job, but I love my life outside of work way more, right? Some of us are super dedicated to our jobs. Some of us are super dedicated to our families, right? If you're a single mom or even if you just are a family, I'm a big family person, right? And before I got some help with emotional intelligence, I would let my family drive me insane, right? I was so devoted to making sure my family was okay. Some of us, you know, we have no problem devoting our whole selves to a man. You know what I mean? We just make him our whole world, put him up on a pedestal. He can do no wrong until he does, right? You know? And so the truth is, we don't really have a hard time figuring out how to make things Lord. I think the truth is that we're just distracted a lot. You know, we have so much on our hearts and on our minds that Jesus is really not Lord of our decision making, right? Our emotions are Lord. You know, we, if we feel like socializing, we socialize. We feel like going, we go. We feel like confessing, we confess. If we feel like sharing our faith, we share our faith. And if we don't, we don't. And let's be honest, more times than not, you don't feel like doing any of those things, right? And so our lives just becomes one big uh, ball of stuff that we're doing for ourselves that has really nothing to do with God at all. You know, the truth is there, there's scripture to help us to, to figure out what we need to be focused on, specifically as single women. One of my favorite scriptures that, um, it's my favorite because it's so real, but I, it's not my favorite because it's so real. You know what I mean? <laughs> Lord. But in 1 Corinthians 7, and starting in verse 32, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. He said, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, uh, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world and how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion. And the truth is, if Jesus is going to be Lord of all, that's the goal. 
undivided devotion, right? How do you get to undivided devotion without really spending time with God? You know, a lot of us, we want to make Jesus Lord, right? We, we, we got in the water and we said it. You know, we weren't lying. We believed it. Jesus is Lord of my life. But then we get so distracted by every other thing going on, even things within the kingdom, doing so much, serving so much, that we're not even really spending time with God. And before you know it, you're making decisions based on what someone else would think of you or what someone else will say about you, rather than really just wanting to please God. You know, the truth is the longer that you've been around, the harder it is to continue to make Jesus Lord of all. I've been a disciple for 16 years this year. I got baptized uh, at 14 years old in the teen ministry in Brooklyn. And um, I'll, I'll be 31 in a couple of months. Um, and it's been a journey. It's been a journey. You know, um, it's difficult for me to even put into words sometime how different my life is than what I thought it was going to be when I got in the water. You know, you study the Bible with a bunch of people who mean well. They ain't lying to you on purpose. <laughs> if you study in the Bible, we, we're not lying to you on purpose. But they tell you all the great sides of how much being a disciple is going to change your life and how much you're going to change the world and how awesome it's going to be. And they sprinkle in that it's going to be difficult from here and there. You know, they, they but it's really just, this is going to be the best decision that you've ever made. And, you know, to be honest, at 14, you know, I didn't weigh all of the alternatives to how my life could turn out, right? At 14 years old, when you study the Bible and they say, you know, the Bible says that sex outside of marriage is a sin. It hurts God. It hurts you for these reasons. And this is something that you need to commit yourself to, to not doing. And you say, sure, because surely you're going to be married by 22, 23. So, cool, what's a couple? Yeah, we can do that. Oh, we can do that. You know what I mean? I wasn't tripping, because for sure, I did not think I'd be 30 years old at a singles conference. I just, it just never crossed my mind, y'all. I promise. I was like, I'm good. I'm 14 now. I'll be 21 soon. Couple years after that, we all right. I never thought, what if you don't get, I mean, it literally never crossed my mind. I think maybe when you're older, you, you can say, what if I never get married? It really never crossed my mind. Never crossed my mind. You know, I never thought about going through difficulties in the kingdom you know and I won't go through my whole story but there's people here who know my story I, I, I I've been through some hardships in the kingdom I've been lied on cheated talked about mistreated some of y'all know the song right <laughs> yeah seriously I'm not exaggerating you know and I've been hurt by people who I just never you just never think certain people are going to do certain things or say certain things to you or and when those things happen it's easy to take Jesus right off the pedestal. It's like, okay, well, I tried that. I made you, Lord. I've served. I've given. I, you know, neglected these parts of my life for your kingdom. I did all this, and it has not worked out. So now I'm Lord. Now I'm going to do what I want to do because I tried it your way, and it didn't work. You know, and there's a scripture in Proverbs that talked about, you know, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, I had a sick heart when I moved to Atlanta. You know, I landed in Hartsville, Jackson, and I told you, when I tell you, I said, I'm not doing nothing. I'm coming to church. That's it. Don't ask me to do nothing. Like, I was serious. Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm coming to church. Just be happy that I made it, and that's it. I'm just coming to church. 
And um, slowly but surely, God really started to work on my heart to just remind me that I said he was Lord. And, you know, one of the things I, I always tell myself when I'm tempted to do things my way is, you are not in the business of telling God no. You are not in the business of telling God no. And it's a conviction of mine not to tell God no. And so for me, that's making Jesus Lord. So when the time came that, you know, I was tapped on the shoulder to help with the singles uh, ministry, the crew ministry in Bridgepoint, and uh, I, I was asked about, you know, who I would, you know, these, this brother or that brother or whoever, and I said to myself, how can I say no to this? You know, I didn't think I was in a place. I don't think I'm in a place to be standing up in here in front of y'all right now, to be honest. You know what I mean? I just, I'm always so humbled because the fact that God wants to use me to do any good thing <laughs> is amazing to me. You know how many dark thoughts we have during the day? How many crazy things we say and do? I mean, the fact that God wants to use me to do anything is amazing. But I know that it's because I have just decided that he's going to be Lord of all. And that's not easy. I'm not going to try to stand up here and act like it is easy. But I know what you have to do in order to do that is decide he's going to be Lord of everything. I'm not going to pick and choose pockets of my life where I make Jesus Lord and then pick and choose pockets where I'm Lord. He's going to be Lord of everything. When we decided that Jesus was Lord when we got in that water, we decided it for life. And it can't be any turning back. I was trying to take your mic. <laughs> Amen. So, Lish, we have 10 minutes, so we need to pick up the pace. But we have two verses now. This is good. We're, you know, moving at a good pace for five verses. This is good. Right. So, um, last point, no turning back. Um, and we're reading, starting in verse 61. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No turning back. Well, first of all, I'm like, what is a plow? I need to figure out what this is. So I went to this website I go to. I type stuff in. I push enter. And then they give me results. So this is what I found. It's a plow. Um, so it's big. It's an agricultural tool from what I can tell. Um, very manual labor. It's difficult and challenging, I'm sure. Um, but this is kind of the imagery that it seems like Jesus is trying to paint here. And I'm looking at commentaries for this. And the thing that they're consistently referencing with these particular verses is the idea of being indecisive, right? So you have this plow and you're pushing it, but there's also this other thing that's competing for your attention. And you're kind of torn about, am I going to move forward? Am I going to move backward? Can you imagine like a guy on a huge tractor, right? So I have my phone and he's driving this huge tractor trailer and he's like on his phone, but driving this trailer and on his phone and he's driving this trailer. Like it would be dangerous and it would be bad. Like some things warrant our full attention. And I think God is kind of calling us to that. Uh, lordship means responding to God, not God, God, excuse me, responding to God when he's calling us. What has you turned, what has me turning back? There are these things that compete for our attention. They distract us. They keep us away from giving God our full attention. Um, we have so much to share, but we're limited on time. Uh, what I'll share with you guys, because I really want to see if I can encourage and inspire all of us. Um, I think God desires so much for so many of us, leading Bible talks and leading singles ministries and just doing so many things. Uh, but there's this thing that happens like we're in school and we graduate and we enter the real world 
and then there's disappointment. Like, I had this idea of what I thought my life would be like, and it's falling short kind of of that expectation. So vulnerability, which I struggle with. Um, if I'm honest about kind of the experience with grad school, I've never done a PhD before. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I kind of get to school, and it's been hard. I've made more Fs in the past 18 months than I've ever made at any point in my life. Just F after F after F after F. I remember this one time I was in particularly rare form. And um, I, took a <laughs> I took a final exam, and I made an 8. I was in the single digits. I made an 8 on an exam that was 70% of my grade. Um, and I was struggling. I would have preferred a zero, because if you make a zero, that means you didn't try. If you make an eight, that means 92% of what you did was wrong. I would have preferred a zero. It would have made me feel better. Um, but that was just kind of the theme in school. Like, you're falling short of expectations, Tosin. You're falling short of expectations. If you don't get it together, we're going to ask you to leave. You're falling short of expectations. Um, and that's completely unrelated, but it started to show up in my walk, things that are completely unrelated to school. I'll be on a date and I'm like, you're falling short of expectations. I'll be in a meeting for church. Tosin, you're falling short of expectations. A conference call, things I know how to do, but it's just this nagging voice in my head. And I was like, man, you know, I'm just in a rut. Couple of weeks, I'll be fine. It's been seven months. And that voice has not gone away. You know, I think about for many of us, we have these setbacks and we have these disappointments and I think, um, it would just be so encouraging to hear, I believe in your leadership. Like, I know we don't always see eye to eye. You're not a perfect person. You fall short in so many ways, but Lish, I believe in your leadership. I do. Like, Terrence, I believe in your leadership, right? Aaron, I believe in your leadership, right? Dennis, I believe in your leadership. Kamiko, I believe in your leadership. We need to be told. Like, I believe in your leadership. Right. You know, I remember I was in Philadelphia and God was, how are we doing on time? Um, you know, I was torn because I felt like God was calling me to lead a Bible talk. I was traveling 100% for work, so I wasn't home very often. I was on the road quite a bit. And um, I like things that make sense in my life, and I knew that if I wanted to lead this Bible talk, I would have to quit my job, but probably take a job I'm overqualified for, I'm going to be underpaid. And that doesn't make sense to me, so I wasn't thrilled about that. I'm like, you know, God, if I read the Bible, there are lots of things in the Bible that don't necessarily make sense to me. That happens sometimes. Let me just pray and see what the will of God is. <laughs> you got to be careful what you pray. So I'm like, God, I pray if you want me to lead this Bible talk, you make it super clear. Ten days later, I got fired. <laughs> I got fired. This is a picture of me. I know I look older, but it's the stress and the anxiety that actually happened. <laughs> Um, I got fired over the phone by a woman I've never met and I've never worked with before. And she was filling in for a woman that was on maternity leave. You just walk up into somebody's office and start firing people. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? What is my life right now? Um, but God made it super clear. I'm calling you and I know you have this career and this salary and this money and all these other things but you can't look back. Some things deserve your undivided attention. And I, I don't know what it is for you because I don't know most of you, but I think you're awesome people. It might be leading a Bible talk or leading a singles ministry, working with teens, cutting out relationships that aren't healthy, studying the Bible and getting baptized or getting restored, whatever it is, 
When God calls us, lordship means we need to answer. So Alicia's going to encourage us with some more words before we finish. So, so the journey is much easier when we are not carrying our past, right? And the truth is if we're going to go on this journey and we're going to make Jesus Lord on our journey, we got to let go of the past. We can't look back. And some of us are looking back to our lives before Jesus, and we're glamorizing it, right? Like, man, it was hard. At least I was going on dates. At least I had a man. At least, oh, y'all going to front? Okay, we can front. <laughs> we can front. <laughs> y'all can front. That's all right. Uh, you know, well, at least I was making more money. At least my time was mine. You know, we say all kinds of weird stuff to ourselves. But remember, if life without Jesus was all that, you would not be here right now, right? It is not as good as the matrix tries to make us remember it, right? So let go of the past. But even some of you got to let go of things that have happened to you in the church in the past. You got to let it go. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying that's easy. I've been a part of this church since I was three years old. I done seen some things, okay? But you got to let it go. Because the truth is, if we're going to make Jesus Lord on our journey and we're not going to look back, we got to say, that's in the past, and God is going to do a new thing in my life right now. You know, God may be calling you to, to go ahead and follow your dreams. I'm big on following dreams. If God has put something in your heart, if God has given you a gift or a talent that is innate, I'm talking about you wake up and it's there. You don't have to try. You don't have to think about it. It is there. You got to pursue that. That's God-given. That is your ministry. Newsflash. I know that's not necessarily a popular teaching, but that is your ministry. That is a part of why God put you here on earth. You know, some of us, God is just calling us to read our Bibles every day. Radical, I know. <laughs> but that's what he's calling you to do. He's calling you back to the basics. And yes, he's going to call you to, to lead Bible talks. And yes, he's going to call you to disciple people. And yes, he's going to call you to study the Bible with people. But you cannot do any of that if your foundation is not solid. You know, putting our hand to the plow and not looking back means we got to look what? Forward, right? We got to look forward. And when you're looking forward, you're looking at God. I just want to encourage you guys. There's a whole lot we had to cut out, but I do want to encourage you all, you know, take the time out for yourself to go ahead and study out what lordship means biblically, and then go ahead and take the time to figure out what that needs to look like in your life going into 2019. And Tosin's going to give us a little bit of practical. Man, so practicals is probably like a generous description of what we did. What we did instead was uh, put questions on a slide, and so questions to consider. Um, so some of you guys are, uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe doing a date tonight. So these are kind of things that you could consider for discussion. I recommend maybe taking a picture that's probably easiest and fastest. Uh, but things to keep in mind, or you can kind of ponder this in your time with God, or maybe you're going to chop it up with your roommates tonight or the people you came down with. Just things for you to think and mellow over. Practicals for this are difficult because I don't necessarily, not I, we don't know what 2018 had for you and what 2019 is going to look like for you. And so instead, just things to think through and reflect on and ponder. Does that make sense? We can't necessarily tell you, do these things because we don't know what God is saying to you. But I believe, and Lish believes too, that God speaks to each of us because we all have the Holy Spirit. So if you ask him for guidance, we think that he will give you guidance and kind of tell you what you need to do. And it might be a long list of things, or it might be just one or two. But figure out what those things are. These are questions for you. We're not going to read them because we're tight on time. But amen. Thank you for letting us serve you guys today. I hope this was helpful. Amen, amen. Brooklyn, 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 Brooklyn.